SB Nation and Underdog Dynasty present the Underdog Podcast. Welcome to another edition of the Conference USA Underdog Podcast on UnderdogDynasty.com, SB Nation's home for G5 football. Uh, rolling through the summer here, I believe we're already in June. 2021 college football season is just a few months away now, but uh, Joe Londrigan and Eric Henry here with you, continuing our off-season preview series for each USA team with a beat writer or someone who follows each team uh, extremely closely. And today we're talking North Texas Mean Green with Mr. Brett Vito of the Denton Record Chronicle. Uh, Mr. Vito, thank you so much for uh, uh, joining us on this afternoon's show, and uh, congrats again on the uh, recent uh, recognition for your dedication to journalism oh, i appreciate it guys thanks for having me on yeah awesome well today we're going to jump into some uh just some news and notes about what's going on with the north texas mean green seth latrell squad still looking for that first bowl win in his tenure as head coach there but uh eric what do you kind of make of where the north texas football program is right now yeah joe well the biggest thing that we've talked about in the three years that you and i've done this podcast together is Certainly no shortage of offensive production, but certainly no uh, semblance of stability on the defensive side, whether that's been at the coordinator spot. And uh, they certainly have uh, allowed their fair share of points. So definitely look to afford to jump into the topic of defense. That'll be my line of questioning for for Brett to see how they're going to be able to uh, stop that gap in 2021. Absolutely. I think we're all kind of looking forward to, uh, uh, seeing how they how they do that but uh you know for people that listen to these episodes pretty regularly the formula is usually eric kind of jumps in with some questions and then uh, i'll start wrapping up with some questions of my own so uh eric you want to jump into it mr Vito here absolutely so brent before i get to the defense gonna start with the obvious everyone wants to know about the quarterback situation what is the latest between Austin Ani and Jace Ruder. Of course, for any of our broader Conference USA audience who may not know, the other quarterback who was there in the race last year, Jason Bean, has transferred. I believe we've talked about his transfer on the podcast, but just in case we haven't, he is no longer part of the program. But yeah, the two quarterbacks there, Austin Ani, Jace Ruder. What do you got, Brett? Uh, it's going to be interesting. And the, and the intriguing part about it is we didn't get to see this battle in the spring, you know, you have the spring practice, you have spring game, but Jace Ruder is still at North Carolina finishing up his, his uh, degree there. So we're not going to see Jace Rudder until the fall. And, you know, in fall practice is closed. I mean, the only thing you're going to get to get at all is whatever Seth Luttrell wants you to hear. So it's going to be, it's going to be interesting because we're not going to really know what the heck is going on until they roll that ball out there for that first game of the season and it's going to be awfully intriguing because you know they that was you know they were pretty decent at quarterback last year but it wasn't exactly a strength you know they kind of figured that they would settle on a quarterback at some point between Ani and Dean Dean was your more con, was kind of your dual threat guy and a little bit of guy of a guy that had a more conventional path he came out of high school came to North Texas and played Ani spent six years playing for the Yankees minor league system. And uh, so he, he shows up as like a 26-year-old dude playing college football for the first time. He'll be, I think, 28 this fall. And so he split time with uh, with Dean last year, and they never really seemed to get much traction with either. I mean, they scored you know a decent amount of points because that's just what North Texas does. 
but they kept switching back and forth between those guys. And Latrell's stance was always, you know, we can win with either guy. We're going to, you know, go with the hot hand. You know, we're going to run these guys in and out of there. And you kind of wonder if that kind of precluded either of them from getting a little bit of traction in terms of, you know, just their growth as a player. And Ani ended up throwing for – 1,650 yards and 13 touchdowns with just four interceptions. He was a little bit up and down. And, you know, it looked like he was going to battle it out with Bean again this next year. But Bean leaves, and then you bring in Rudder. Well, Rudder was a four-star prospect coming out of high school that just got to North Carolina and had all kinds of injury issues. And he ends up landing in the transfer portal. And then, wouldn't you know, one of the guys that he was closest to on North Carolina staff was uh, Mike Eckler, who was on North Texas' staff for one year again last season as their special teams guy. Uh, so he got, you know, they got in touch, and Rudder ends up landing here. And so now I think probably the most intriguing question um, outside of what North Texas does defensively is what happens between Ani and Rudder. I mean, a lot of North Texas fans are expecting Rudder to roll in here and show why he was a four-star player and kind of be the you know, the person that really take, helps him take off. I mean, it remains to be seen whether he'll be able to, to do that. Brett, one quick follow-up question on the quarterbacks. And, you know, you, you hate to just look at the box score and try and make an assessment. But as you mentioned, Austin Ani threw for 1,650 yards, 13 touchdowns, only four interceptions. We look at Jason Bean's numbers, 1,131 yards, another 14 scores and five picks. Obviously, the completion percentage could have been a little bit better. But like I said, you hate to look at the box score and just try to make an assessment. Um, but want to ask you this. Is there any part of those numbers that, for lack of a better phrase, may have been a little bit inflated just based on the fact that North Texas was playing catch-up a fair amount of time? Uh, you could make that case. I mean, there were some games they were blown out. They scored some some points late in games. But there were also a lot of games that they were, uh, you know, really in. Um, you know, I think both of those guys have some talent. I, the, the question is, is, you know, is, either, is, is Ani going to be the answer, you know? Is he going to be the kind of guy that can take him, you know, take them to that next step? And if not, is is it going to be Rudder? I mean, I think Ani, if he continues to improve, I mean, this guy was a three-star player coming out of high school that signed with TCU. So he's no slouch. You know, this guy has some skins on the wall from his high school days. Uh, it's just a question of whether or not he can recapture the magic of what made him a, uh, a high, uh, high-level recruit. And I, I think the kind of the thing you wonder is, you know, this guy battled with Bean and never really got a hold of the job. And when he was starting, you know, he never really was able to kind of cement himself as the starter. So do you think all of a sudden this next year, maybe the light goes on um, and he gets a lot better and he gets a little bit of better understanding of what he can do and what uh, North Texas wants to do and really takes off? I find that a little hard to believe just considering he's so much of an older guy. And he's had so much time in the program. It's not like he just showed up yesterday. You know, this guy uh, has, has spent some significant time in there, and he had and he had a lot of opportunities last year. Do you really think that at that age, he's going to take a dramatic step forward? Want to transition to the running game here, and one player in specificity. That's running back DeAndre Torrey. He was one of my favorites in 2018. If memory serves me correct, I can't remember if it was the opening kickoff or or one of the season, I'm sure you can uh, correct me. I know he had a kickoff return for a touchdown in his first career game at North Texas. 
And overall in 2018, just a shade under 1,000 yards, 977, 15 scores. Numbers really dipped in 2019. You saw more of Trey Siggers in uh, 2019. 2020, numbers popped back up. He splits time with Oscar Attaway. But just in specificity to DeAndre Torrey, what can we expect from him in 2021? Well, he's, he's going to be one of those guys that's coming back for an extra year. I think he'll have a good, a good year. He's a really talented guy. He's not the biggest guy out there. He's 5'7 and 195, but he has really terrific speed and vision. And uh, I think he'll be a significant part of that running back rotation that's going to be a lot different next year. Because last year you had DeAndre Torrey, but you had Oscar Attaway, who really has a high ceiling. There, That guy looks like he could be a special player. And you also had Trey Siggers, and you also had Nick Smith, and you had a couple of young guys like Isaiah Johnson. Um, so there were some different options out there. Now, with uh, Trey Siggers ends up leaving, which is kind of a, a real kind of hard for North Texas fans to see. He transfers to SMU, their bitter rival. Um, you know, and then Nick graduates. Um, he, you know, he has a family, so he decided to move on. So now you're looking at DeAndre and Oscar Attaway as you kind of your maybe your top two guys in that rotation that Isaiah Johnson might also get some opportunities in. They've also signed some good young players that are in the program. But, you know, I would expect uh, DeAndre to get a lot of opportunities and Oscar as well to get a lot of opportunities. And Oscar, you know, he had that broken hand last year that kind of knocked him out for a big chunk of the season. So hope, they're hoping he'll be healthy this year. Gonna try to keep this next, this next question short and sweet. How good is Dion Noble? I think he's a really good player, a really good college player. He's he's just a the interesting thing about him about Noble is how many different ways they have tried to use him throughout his career. He started out at North Texas as a defensive end, then they decided to beef him up to a defensive tackle, and then they went to a three man front and. Last year, he played at 330 pounds and, you know, played pretty well. Um, and then now with uh, the new defensive staff coming in, they're, they want him to slim back down and be a little more active. So, I mean, he was a first-team all-conference selection, makes, made a lot of plays. I'm just going to be interested to see what weight they have him play at and if he, uh, you know, continues – if he develops into more of a pass rush threat as a defensive tackle, if he drops a little bit of weight – and, you know, just how he finishes off his career. Because he's had a pretty good go of it in North Texas. This guy's got um, 20 tackles for a loss and in his uh, career at North Texas, which for a defensive tackle that plays on the inside is pretty impressive. We've talked about the struggles of the defense and in specificity the secondary, or you can say the defense overall, but this question will be specific to the secondary. The addition of Tyree Thornton, the former Rice Owl defensive back, uh, 64 career tackles, two tackles for loss, uh, kind of a mainstay there with the Rice Owls defense. The defense has been emerging over the past few years. Uh, he chose to, to opt out last year in 2020. Uh, what does uh, that addition make to the, the Mean Green secondary? Well, if you ask the North Texas coaches, they always have thought that they really needed to upgrade their secondary um, over what they've had the last couple of years. And they went out pretty hard and looked, um, you know, the last two staffs went out real hard and, and looked for guys that could could help them out back there. They brought in, you know, Greg Francis from UNLV this year. They brought in Tyre, they brought in Thornton from Rice. Uh, last year, they brought in John Davis. Logan Wilson, who spent some time in Kansas State. He was another guy that transferred in after 
uh, being at Louisiana Row for a little while. But I think Thornton is a guy that can they can help them, and that cornerback position will be one to watch because they did lose a couple of uh, you know key guys in their secondary last year, and it's gonna it's gonna be an interesting race to see uh, how that all plays out. It wouldn't surprise me if Thornton starts, um, you know, and maybe John Davis will find his way into the onto that other side where he played quite a bit last year. He played both safety and corner, but uh, yeah, they're definitely going to be a different look when it comes to North Texas as secondary next year. Got a couple more for you before I pass the line of questioning off to Joe. Want to stick with the defensive side of the ball and talk about Tyreek Davis, a player who missed four games last year, as you noted in one of your, uh, your recent articles that uh, that really was attributed to false positives. We all know about the situation regarding COVID last year, but his last full season, 2019, 79 tackles, 14 and a half tackles for loss of four and a half sacks. It's a conference USA, all a conference USA, all conference honorable mention, excuse me. How big will it be to get him back for a full season? I think it'll be important. Uh, Tyreek is just such a, such a quality player for them. And he's, he's kind of the ideal for what North Texas wants to tell you the truth, because I mean, people in the conference USA know this and just, uh, it's not all that different from FIU or FAU. I mean, North Texas is sitting in one of the biggest hotbeds for talent in the in the country. And you think about that in the Dallas area, but Denton as a city has got, uh, you know, about four high schools and then a couple of ones around here. And it is one of the biggest hotbeds for for quality talent. There was one year we had a story where uh, there were more Division One FBS signees out of the, out of just the city of Denton and like I think, you know, multiple states in the country. They had more D1 signees out of Denton than, say, Kansas and a bunch of other smaller states, the Dakotas, you know, things like that. It is a talent hotbed. There are players everywhere around here. And Tyreek played it. Uh, the oldest, one of the oldest high schools in Denton called Denton Ryan. And it was a big get for them to get him to come here. And he's just produced since he's been here. He's not the biggest guy in the world, plays linebacker for him. But, <clears throat> you know, he just has a knack for getting in the backfield and making tackles for loss. He's a great leader. And he just had that rough year last year. He had that false positive, And then he got hurt. And so he missed a bunch of time. And he just decided – that he felt that he didn't have the kind of senior year that he thought he should have playing in six games and having 34 tackles and, and four quarterback hurries. That isn't kind of the Tyreek Davis season we were, he was expecting. And he decided to come back for another year. I think that'll really help North Texas from a leadership and a playmaking standpoint, no matter how they decide to line up on defense. Last one here for you before I pass it off to Joe. Frequent listener this frequent listeners, excuse me, of this podcast, trip over my words here, are used to during the season when we tape in the middle of the week, I'll usually come back with an anecdote from a Butch Davis press conference in, in 2017 and 2018. They may have been uh, a little bit different in 2019, especially 2020, as far as uh, the way the FIU program has gone. Uh, Brett, in, in your illustrious career, I want to ask you this, and I'm, I know I'm maybe putting you on the spot here to ask you one. But do you have a most memorable press conference that you, you've attended or just one that comes to mind that that sticks with you as being like, huh, that, that was that was interesting, to say the least. Press conference. Well, that's a great question. I'm trying to think, you know, Dan McCartney was really colorful. He was one of those guys that could he could get people to make you feel like you wanted to run through a wall for the guy. He was always really interesting. Um 
I think he, he had some ones in there, like when he first started that he, uh, especially when it was kind of a public event, were really interesting. Those were always really fun. Uh, he got a lot of people really riled up and excited about North Texas. Uh, you know, Coach Luttrell's really dry. He's not, he's not, I, I don't think press conferences and public speaking are his favorite thing in the world. He's <laughs> said that publicly before, but I think probably, you know, the, uh, Dan McCartney and the Gray Goose thing was probably the the funnest thing. You know, when he had the the press conference after he had the stroke at the gym I go to in town, um, he uh, had previously said after you know all, all the news came out that it was something that nothing a little Gray Goose wouldn't wouldn't help fix. You know, and then he kind of repeated that at the and that was kind of one of his catch catchphrase lines after that. And he said it at one of those press conferences after he came back from that stroke. And it was, you know, that was one that kind of stuck with me. Just uh, you know, you don't hear coaches talk about, you know, those kinds of things very often, you know, alcohol and stuff like that. <laughs> that was that one kind of took me by surprise there. I didn't expect that. So that always kind of comes to mind. Yeah, as Joe knows, and I tend to rely on this podcast. Uh, those those can get tend to be you know somewhat interesting depending on the uh, the outcome of of the uh, the games events. So with Joe, I'll uh, pass it off to you for your line of questioning, sir. All right, Eric, we're one step closer to that Grey Goose sponsorship we've always talked about, buddy. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, Brett, a few questions for you here. Uh, first of all, um, with it already being June, spring practice is wrapped up for the Mean Green. What were some of your biggest takeaways from spring practice here? I just think that probably the biggest thing was um, the way North Texas revamped its defense. I think that was the huge storyline of the spring. Uh, you know, you bring in, you know, the former SMU coach there and Phil Bennett, and he, uh, you know, instituted a whole bunch of new ideas and concepts, and it looks like they're going to base out of a four-man front and do a lot of different things. Uh, with what he likes to do as opposed to what they did before. And I think the big question is, is just how much does that pay off? You know, you can't tell in the spring. I mean, you, I always laugh at guy fans that say, I went to the spring game and this guy looked awesome. Or, you know, this is what I, my big takeaway from, I don't think we know anything about what North Texas is going to look like defensively until they get out there on the field. It probably won't be that first game because they got to give me one off the bat it, you know it'll probably be when they go down to smu in week two that was my big that was one of the things i kind of took away from it was you know north texas has got some some pieces on defense with noville and some of the other guys and they went heavy 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 into the transfer portal after the spring practice which also intrigued me because i mean if you go out there as a defensive coordinator and you look at what you've got and then all of a sudden you're bringing in a gazillion transfer guys out of the portal on defense and just across the board, you know, I, it makes me wonder if, if there are some concerns there. And that was the one thing I uh, came away from spring was, was I just don't think we know what North Texas has defensively. I don't think we're going to know until week two, like I was saying. Yeah, that, that certainly makes sense. Uh, you know, when you look at UNT's non-conference schedule coming up here, you got Northwestern state, SMU, uh, Mizzou and, and Liberty, um, you know, I, I think it's safe to say that SMU game is uh, the most important as far as North Texas is concerned among those non-conference games. Brett, other than geography, what makes that North Texas SMU rivalry so great? Socioeconomic differences, and it's not close. 
If you go down to the, the difference between North Texas as a fan base and as a school and SMU as a fan base and as a school is about as about as different as you could possibly get. North Texas is 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 a terrific institution. It's a public institution. It's uh, you know you have a lot of working class people that go to North Texas. They have a huge non traditional uh, student population. People that are that have are working and going to school, or people that have gone back to school. Uh, you know those kinds of things. You got a lot of a lot of pickup trucks parked at North Texas, and people from the area. And you go down to SMU, and it is a different world. It is a lot of people with money because it's not cheap to go to school there. It's a lot of kids that went to Highland Park, the, the Ritzy uh, Public School, that went to private schools there. There's a lot of out-of-state students. And it's it, it just feels like, you know, money and things like that. And then, so you've got that difference. And then there is, an, you know, a, the way North Texas looks at SMU is that SMU always looks down on them. And it's kind of kept them down through the years. If you think about, you know, uh, a lot of North Texas fans' belief is, is that S, they've, SMU has opposed them being in the same conference every turn for the last, you know, whatever, 50 years or that kind of thing. Because North Texas tried to get in a conference USA before, and, and SMU made no secret of the fact that they were not down with that, being in the same conference with, with North Texas. And, you know... So that is, the North Texas people feel like SMU looks down on them, and, and SMU people feel like North Texas isn't really a rival, and that the UNT people overplay it, and it's North Texas means nothing to them. So you've got that really that dynamic of just uh, economic differences and just long-term hatred of each of each other for a host of reasons, and it just makes for a, a great rivalry. You know, North Texas actually won that game under Latrell a couple of years ago. And then now North Tech, uh, SMU's won the last couple pretty decisively. So I tell you what, if, if if North Texas can win its opener, which I expect, if they could go down to SMU and upset SMU down in Dallas, I mean, Seth Luttrell will be gold for a for quite a while uh, because they haven't won in SMU since like the 19th, I think it's 1933 was the last time they won on SMU's home field in a non-neutral site game. It's been that long. So... We'll see what happens there, but that's that's a, just a snippet of what makes that rivalry so important to the to the people at North Texas. Awesome! Really appreciate the uh, you know in depth history lesson there, and uh, you know I, I've heard before if you can't win championships, beat rivals, and that's the uh, safest way to you know secure your job there if you're Seth Luttrell. So that's uh, something to look forward to for football fans. Um, so Eric kind of touched on the departure of Jalen Dart into the NFL and just the impact that he had on that offense last season. Uh, seems like they're going to try to replace him a little bit with uh, grad transfer Tommy Bush from Georgia. Uh, what does that wideout bring to that offense and to that program? Well, I mean, Bush is uh, high in talent. I mean, he was a guy that was – an elite prospect coming out of high school. He, didn't, he wasn't, I was surprised that he wasn't more productive in terms of the amount of catches and yards and touchdowns he had in high school. I, I think it was more his physical attributes and, and talents and things like that, that had a lot of people excited. But uh, you know, if they bring him in here and they can capitalize on his potential, that's the whole the whole thing. And you, you got to wonder if he's going to be the guy. Uh, that kind of replaces that. I, I, my expectation is is that um, 
is that you're going to see kind of a more of a by committee approach. That was more more Texas's mo before they just realized they had an NFL wide receiver um, sitting on their roster. You know, so uh, I think probably Tommy Bush helps you quite a bit. I think they'll have a, a lot of other players that'll figure in there. They've got some good guys coming back. Uh, they did lose Austin to gonna make him to Liberty, so that was kind of a loss. But you. You do have some other players there coming back that I would think would uh, help them out, and then you just gotta hope that somebody kind of emerges there to be the to be the lead dog because it, it it definitely is going to be difficult to replace Darden because he you know he was just one of those once in a generation talent. They do have the now I got to the right tab here. They do have Deontay Simpson coming back who had 25 catches for 517 yards and four touchdowns last season, so he'll help. The other guy I would expect to make a Big difference is Jair Shorter. Shorter busted his leg in the third game of the season last year and missed the rest of the year. But the, the previous year before that, he was a big-time contributor. So, um, you know, you get him back. So I think he also contributes, and that, that makes North Texas a ton better if they can get, you know, some of their, um, you know, multiple options across the field. Uh, Shorter in, had 24 catches for 473 yards in 2019 before he missed pretty much all of last year. So he's another guy I would look out for. Certainly not going to be easy to replace the talent that Darden brought to the field. I mean, Eric and I watching his game tape last year, uh, multiple times we talked about it. It just looked like a grown man playing with a peewee team uh, at certain points. So uh, excited to see how they can make up for the loss of him. Uh, Brett, looking forward to, um, you know, bowl season, hopefully. Uh, Obviously, North Texas still looking for their first bowl win under Seth Luttrell, what needs to happen this year for the Mean Green to make that happen? Well, I think there's two things that have to happen for them because the schedule is absolutely brutal. If you look at where they're playing, I mean, they're going to be underdogs at SMU for sure. They've got UAB at home in week three, and UAB's got a ton back. They have to go to Louisiana Tech and then to Missouri and turn around and place Marshall at home. Marshall, despite changing coaches, I think is going to be pretty good again. And then the the best team that they're facing this year could be Liberty. On October 23rd, Liberty may end up may start the season nationally ranked. So I think to for them to get to a bowl game this year, first off, you're going to have to have that defense make some significant strides under Bennett because that's what Latrell's banking on. You know, he went out there because Bennett was one of his college coaches when he was playing. Um, so he's put up a lot of trust in, in Phil Bennett to fix the, to fix the defense or at least get them to a point where they're average in Conference USA. If they could get to being average in Conference USA with what they've got offensively, I think that would go a long way to getting them there. And then the other thing is you got to figure out what's going on at quarterback. You know, do you? I don't think they can afford to go through another year where they're going back and forth between guys. They need somebody to step in there and develop and give them what Mason Fine gave them when they were going to bowl games and winning nine games a year. So is that is that Ani taking a big dramatic step when he's pushing 30, or is it Jace Rudder comes in and shows, hey, this is why I was a four-star player coming out of high school. Uh, so I think if those two things happen, if you have if you have the defense make dramatic st- strides forward, and you have his quarterback step up and take take the reins and, and play well, I think that could potentially get them there. And then they just have to survive that first part of the season because after they get one with Liberty, then the, the schedule gets more manageable. You've got Rice 
at Rice, at Southern Miss, you got UTEP at home, at Florida International, and then that last game of the season against UTSA. Well, I think UTSA is going to be pretty good this year, but those four games there, if they could get to that, if those two things happen, they improve defensively, they have a quarterback, they survive that part of the schedule, and then they get to October 30th at Rice and can put a run together before they face UTSA, I think that's the key, the, the path for them to get there. You know, I think we're all kind of holding our breath to see if Ostinani has his Brandon Whedon moment. So, uh, you know, we'll we'll see if he puts on for all the, uh, you know, football players uh, who are formerly baseball players out there. Um, but, Brett, one last question for you here. Um, you've been recognized multiple times by the Associated Press sports editors uh, just for the uh, quality of your coverage of the North Texas Athletic Department. And as Eric and myself can attest, covering the G5 beat, it's uh, – you know, it's a lot of digging for stories that, uh, you know, not a lot of people might have heard about. It's a lot of, you know, just being able to build strong relationships. It's a lot of rental cars filled up with fast food wrappers. So, um, you know, what does it mean to you uh, to be recognized for your dedication to, you know, these these stories that uh, a lot of sports writers may overlook? Yeah, it means a lot to me, actually. I mean, I really... I put a lot of time and effort into cover North Texas. And to me, the APSE awards are what really what really matters to me, you know, the state ones are nice and, you know, the regional ones are nice, but the, the national ones are really, they're hard to win. There's a lot of really good riders out there that the guy that covers Georgia wins and has won in our division every, for the last two years, I finished second this year nationally, but you know, it just takes a lot of time and effort to, and sacrifice to, to put in the kind of work that it takes to go out there and, you know, cover group of five football and dig up the stories and, and do those kinds of things. And that's the thing that, you know, that kind of makes it, it's not what makes it worth it, but it makes you feel good about the the job that you do when your peers in the business are the ones that are saying, yeah, you know what we, th this is this guy's portfolio for this year. And we think that this is national quality stuff. And I, that always has meant a lot to me to, to have that, those kinds of things coming down. Well, congratulations again. Uh, it's it certainly obviously hasn't gone unnoticed, the effort. I mean, um, so if you all want to follow Brett on Twitter, it's just at B-R-E-T-T-V-I-T-O. And, of course, uh, DentonRC.com for uh, the web home of all of his coverage of North Texas athletics. Uh, Brett, can't thank you enough for your time. And uh, folks out there, if you want to follow Eric and myself, we're at J-O-E-H-I-O underscore on Twitter and at Eric C. Henry underscore on Twitter. And then, of course, at Underdog Dynasty for more G5 football coverage all throughout the summer and into the 2021 season. Happy football watching, everybody. Uh, Brett, thank you so much once again for your time today. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys.